0: Welcome to the Immigrant Finance Podcast, a show dedicated to everything money, online business, and immigration. Because immigrant families deserve to build generational wealth too. I'm your host, Adina, social entrepreneur, an immigration attorney, and financial educator and coach for immigrant families. I created the Immigrant Finance platform with my husband, Mauricio, who immigrated to the US eight years ago after we struggled through the whole process of trying to figure out finances as an immigrant family alone. who wanted to share what we learned about building wealth with others along the way and created the Immigrant Finance School Group Coaching Program, where we teach immigrants and their families like you how to manage their money, get started investing, and build online businesses in just weeks, all with group accountability and support. Our clients have been able to get started investing and develop lifelong plans to build generational wealth, regardless of their immigration status actually launched an online business they've been dreaming of starting for years, bringing enough income to leave a job with a shitty boss and book up their calendar for the rest of the month just after announcing their new coaching business. I'm coming to you with a new show several times a week with stories about online business lessons, money and mindset insights, and guest interviews to help you become financially empowered. Each episode will switch between personal finance and online business topics. Now let's get to this week's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Immigrant Finance Podcast. I hope you are having a great day or evening, whenever you are listening. Um, this is Adina here, the host of the podcast, and I'm here with our guest today, Miguel Quiñones, who is going to be sharing some really fascinating research work he's been doing around issues relating to immigration and finance. So we have a lot to talk about um, and I'm really excited to be connecting. So hey Miguel, thanks for being here today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for asking Dina. I'm actually really excited to be here too. I know we connected a couple weeks ago um, through this webinar and so it was my first introduction to you and your work with immigrant finance and it really drew me to want to reach out. So I'm excited to be able to have a conversation with you.
0: Me too. And I really appreciate you connecting. It sounds like, you know, we've been thinking about a lot of the same topics and you have a lot uh, to share on these topics for our audience. So really appreciate you taking the time. And as always, um, we can get started with perhaps you can just share a little bit about um, kind of your background, you know, what what you're doing, how you want to introduce yourself to the audience.
1: Yeah. So my name is Miguel Quinones. Um, I'm currently a second-year graduate student in the Department of Family Social Science at the University of Minnesota, Um, and I'm interested in issues around immigration um, and culture and how they relate to money and finances and financial behavior. Um, Just a little bit about my connection to immigration. So I'm a proud son of immigrants from Mexico. My parents came from the state of Durango, Mexico. Um, And all of my family members on both sides of my family. So mother and father, they're all immigrants. So growing up, that experience is all I knew, right? And so I was born in Los Angeles, California, but um, my parents ended up moving to Chicago around when I was two-ish. I was really, really young and you know immigrants usually they want to go where there's work and so my parents found out that it was work in chicago and off we went and so i grew up right outside of chicago in this town called cicero and cicero uh, at least when i lived there it was a community that was predominantly um latino predominantly people of color uh, predominantly immigrants and then also predominantly low income so everyone around me in elementary school middle school everyone looked talked thought, spoke, uh, all these different characteristics. Everyone was kind of very, it was a very homogenous community. And so as I look back and I, now that I'm older, right, I can reflect on feeling like I lived in a bubble almost. I I like to describe it as a bubble because in a lot of ways as kids and for a variety of reasons, we were sheltered from the wider world, it felt like. And so that sheltering, living in this bubble is kind of what really influenced me to be interested in these topics that I'm researching now.
0: Wonderful, thank you for sharing all that background. And I'd love to hear a little bit about, tell us more what was going on in that bubble in terms of money and finance that I'm sure sparked your interest later in life to study it academically.
1: Yeah, so like I mentioned, right, we were sheltered from a lot of things just as a result of being immigrants. Our parents didn't know a lot of things related to, finances, and this is not um, intentional per se, you know, it's a result of my family and the community not understanding how to engage with these institutions, Um, and so my family was low income, everyone around me was low income, so I didn't really have a reference point for what low income was, um, being in this bubble, so to me, everything was normal, right, that's the only thing I knew, and so, you know, not being, not engaging with financial institutions and things like that, really, I, I, I would say that I wasn't socialized in a lot of matters related to finances and money. Um, but it didn't seem to matter because like I said, that was my only reference point. Um, so I thought that was normal. And so imagine the culture shock then when I go to, I go off to college, um, two hours South of Chicago, central Illinois, and it's a, it was a pretty big school, um, large institution. And so there I was exposed to a lot of different people from different backgrounds, different, um, different everything and this is culture shock in the sense that i experienced a lot of um dissonance between what i thought i knew and what i thought i understood and what was actually going on in the wider world and specifically as it relates to money i saw that you know people didn't money money was treated and thought of differently by different people um and this was news to me because like growing up low income i was always concerned about money i was always um wanting to make sure that my seeing my parents struggle seeing community members struggle financially it made me want to do my part and try to help them out i remember as a little kid i would um (laughs) i would turn off the lights whenever i could i would take the shortest showers possible all these different little things that i would try to do as a little kid thinking it would add up to do my part right and so i think i always had this sort of financial anxiety that led me to want to help the community and help specifically my family improve um their financial standing and so when I was an undergrad, you know as a part of these like general education courses, I took a couple of personal finance classes and i'm I'm learning about these concepts, these supposedly sound financial concepts right and I'm like, wow okay that's it's that easy and so I'd come home from college you know at my breaks whenever I could weekends and I would come home ma dad, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. Like I'm learning this, you know, the, the, just the basic stuff. You gotta spend less than you make, invest the difference, IRAs, whatever. And it was actually counterproductive, um, in my opinion, because I mean, just depending on your family and the way they perceive things, it, it's really, it can really sort of drive people away. Like, oh, you know, this kid came to college, went to college, now he's coming back thinking he knows better than us. Um, it's like a certain attitude, right? and these ideas are well intentioned but they they're foreign to like immigrant communities because they are it's not something that they are aware of not something that they think they can achieve or do and so i learned that one you know it's kind of productive and two that just throwing the book at people is not going to create meaningful change when we're talking about um, financial stability financial capability so That's why I'm really drawn to the work that you're doing, Adina, with immigrant finance, because, you know, you recognize that traditional financial education is not created with these communities in mind. And so what inspired me to pursue the area of research that I'm on now, um, I just want to learn, I guess, the overall overarching goal that I want to achieve is that I want to learn how to help family members and these communities of immigrants learn how to achieve that financial capability financial stability for a better future. You know, immigrants come to the U.S. wanting to, they seek a better life that they didn't have an opportunity to do in back in their home country. And so I really want to help make sure that they're, they're going after this American dream and that it's, it's, they're getting what they came for, basically. Um, and what really inspired me, so that's the goal, right? But what the way to get there is to understand where this disconnect is coming from if there's all these you know, financial topics and financial education, all these things out there, why isn't it connecting with these communities? What's going on there? So I just needed to understand like, where is this disconnect coming from? And that's kind of what led me to this research that I'm doing now and understanding how culture, specifically for Latino immigrants and Latino families, how that influences financial behavior and outcomes with the overarching goal of wanting to help them. Um, thrive instead of survive, uh, which is like something that your organization is doing.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that and this amazing, very important work you're doing. I was gonna use the same word, there's a disconnect. And then you said it, um, yeah, there's this American dream, the intention of coming here and then the reality of what that looks like. And I think we've both seen how so much of that comes down to financial barriers and the cultural aspects of accessing that information. Even if you have the access, there's still that disconnect that happened when it comes to the cultural stuff you're talking about. And this is something we see a lot in our community. Um, almost all of our students that we work with have all told me that their parents have resistance to learning about what they're learning. Um, mm-hmm. I actually had the last podcast episode was on can your immigrant parents invest? And like the short answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. The long, The long answer is all of this stuff you're researching and how do you. Yeah, I heard, I heard that one. Oh, thanks for taking the time to listen. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was kind of ranting off on it, but there's a lot, a lot more to say on that topic and obviously a need for someone like you, who's from the community actually doing academic research on it. So I'm really excited to see what your work leads to and, and, um, research that's driven for a purpose is always my favorite kind of research <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's like yeah. you said yourself it's it's to help people um so yeah i mean i think this is super important i mean just to add like kind of what i've seen work so far which i talked about some of that episode just to recap is really mm-hmm. the person in the family who is who does recognize the importance of these issues and wants to learn it sort of becoming the leader in the family and then slowly sharing what they're learning like over time as they learn um i've seen a lot of family members go from serious resistance to being more open-minded just through having time to kind of learn and and see see the numbers add up at a certain point math doesn't lie right
1: yeah no it doesn't And, and that's the hard part is that there's a lot of that initial resistance um because you know when you talk about mindset A lot of people feel like they aren't ready. It's not for them. It's not in my culture. And so it makes it really hard to want to achieve those goals that you have for yourself and your family as immigrants. And that's why it's so important, like this sort of work that you're doing, the kind of things that I'm interested in looking at is understanding, like, how can we make this tangible and applicable for these communities to help uplift them?
0: Absolutely. And I have a, uh, interesting question I think for you is <laughs> like so these stories that people have of you know people like me don't invest or um you know what are, what is this person doing that went off to college and now that, tell me what to do like those types of barrier thoughts that come up where do you think those are coming from like do you think that they have been imposed I guess is my leading question by others because I know I have a lot of conspiracy theories like why this community has been left out of the financial system. So. Yeah, you know, what, what have you seen so far where those beliefs have originated?
1: Yeah, um, so from what I've seen, what I've read, um, when it comes to immigrants and finances, I think figuratively and literally, they're speaking two different languages. So figuratively, you have immigrants who come to this country, right? And there's so many things that they need to learn from understanding how to engage with complex financial institutions to navigating uh society and then you have different considerations about discrimination there's so much on their plates and to them you know i'm working i'm getting paid and i'm dealing with all these other things so i'm good i'm in a position i came they feel like this is what i came for i'm getting paid and i'm gonna let my my children be the ones to take care of me because in collectivist cultures like latino cultures um it's it's we not me right and so i feel like figuratively there's this disconnect these two different languages between this system in the u.s where everything's very individualistic and everything is you know achieve achieve go 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 and in collectivist cultures there's more of an emphasis on community and people come to this country and there's and i'm not bashing collectivist cultures. that's uh, that's my life i love my family i'm a big i would describe myself as a big mama's boy big family man um i really just value (laughs) family like my husband (laughs) yeah yeah and and when you when and when you put that in the context of finances um these communities who are collectivists you know they, they pass the burden this burden of achieving that financial stability prosperity onto the next generation um partially because one, you know, they've already got so many things on their place that they're already struggling with, but also it just doesn't seem like it's something that's in their culture. Oh no, like I'm, I'm good. I'm, it, it, there's a there's a clash between this collectivist mindset and this individualistic mindset. Um, so that's the figurative and the literal, you have, you literally have two different languages. A lot of times immigrants um, come to this country and they don't speak the language and that's just one example of this like barrier that's between these communities and achieving financial um prosperity is you know a lot of people have distrust with banks for starters if they don't have spanish-speaking representatives in the case of latinos there is distrust there and it's for good reason right but this mistrust is preventing them from moving ahead and engaging with these institutions and learning how to how to build their financial capability um and to a place where they're thriving not surviving um and so i think to sum it up yeah there's just two diff there's there's barriers some are imposed by society some are come from within the community and this collectivist mindset i talked about but yeah it just kind of all comes back to this disconnect between in in, in my eyes right between it's a it's a matter of culture i feel like
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I agree with all of that. I'm wondering too what your thoughts are on how the immigration law system has played a role in all of this.
1: You said the immigration law?
0: Yeah. The immigration system. Um, yeah, 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 go ahead.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, a lot of, as immigrants, you have a concern about immigration and you have concerns about, you know, I come to this country and I want to achieve these goals but there's like this looming fear that at any moment you can go back. And I feel like this fear that kind of ca- it follows people everywhere in, in many different aspects of their life, this fear pre- will prevent them from wanting to participate in financial institutions. And I know it, this is just in the case of my own. I have a, my master's thesis right now. I'm looking at how families utilize lending circles or tandas and one of the things that constantly comes up is I participate in Dhamdas because it's outside of the financial mainstream, it's under the radar. And that helps me feel more comfortable with with finances because I know that I'm not being recorded. There's this fear of being uh, quote unquote find out found out, I mean. And the hard thing, the, the thing that's kind of hard to wrap head for immigrants to wrap their head around is that banks that's a completely different institution from, say, immigration, and so banks are not out to report people and right. and rat them out per se and get them returned to their country or whatever these fears are, and they're very real fears. Um, you know, having be, having been witness to people getting deported, people have these real fears, and they they, they want to stay here with their family, and they don't and they don't want to leave, and so there's that fear, but the fear is, in my opinion, it's misplaced and it's because of this lack of education about what banks can or cannot do um, to immigrants. And I think that that plays a role. Um, This fear of immigration, that fear of immigration plays a role in preventing people from wanting to engage with institutions.
0: Absolutely. And that's why we spend a lot of time doing education on how the systems are separate And we were very fortunate to have the IRS actually come speak to our community this past month and explain how legally they are not allowed to share anyone's information, even with their colleagues, right, Mm -hmm. within the IRS uh, because of privacy protection. So I think it's so important that we get that message out, you know, over and over. And I've been working with different stakeholders who are interested in these topics that – we're, we've are we been brainstorming, how can we get this message out in multiple ways that the systems are mm-hmm. separate? Because it, it fundamentally is, is really holding people back. And that leads me to my next question for you of like, why exactly do you think it's so important for the immigrant communities to be participating in the financial system? And I know you mentioned initially about the American dream and that disconnect that's happening, but like, I guess a step further, you know, what would it look like if there weren't these, that disconnect? Like, how would things be better for the immigrant community?
1: Yeah, so I think if there wasn't that disconnect, you would see that people, you know, and people are very cynical about the American dream just out there, like, in popular culture. Um, there's this, this notion that the American dream is a lie because of a lot of different things. and to, to a certain extent that is true but i think that doesn't take away from the fact that with the with the proper tools proper planning like you can achieve financial stability uh, for your family and this is not you know i'm not talking lavishly rich i'm talking being able to support your your family the generations that come down the line that's what i'm thinking about when i think of financial stability and prosperity and so i think if there wasn't this disconnect families would be more willing to engage with these institutions and with these different matters regarding finance, because like I, like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's kind of paradoxical, right? Because I mentioned this clash between this individualistic culture that, that permeates the U S and these financial institutions, right? The me, me, me get ahead, get ahead. Uh, There's a clash between that and the collectivist culture of the we versus me, this emphasis on interconnectedness and it's paradoxical because you, you would think that families wanting to see their family members, see their communities achieve and and thrive, that they would do whatever is in their power to make that happen. And so if we got rid of this disconnect, I would see, I, I foresee families really engaging with these topics and these matters to improve their, their well-being, their financial well-being of their family. And it's interesting because in the research, so across a lot of financial outcomes, Latinos tend to fare worse than other ethnic groups. Um, This is things like stock market participation, savings allocation, um, contributions to retirement. But then this is something that I remember where the study came from, the author, but something that I read was that as income goes up for say Latinos, now, I remember if it was immigrant Latinos or naturalized Latinos, but as income goes up, they start to engage in more financial behaviors that are typical of non-Hispanic white, non-Hispanic whites. And so what that tells me is that um, there's this threshold, there's this barrier that once you get past it and you realize, oh, okay, it's t- like, kind of like the work that you're doing. I can imagine the people that come out of on the other side of your programming and your education, they realize, oh, I can really take this far, and I can really engage with these institutions to increase the well-being of my family. And that's what people do once you get past this threshold from not knowing to knowing. People just take off, and they really start investing. They start contributing to retirement. They start doing all these things to improve the financial well-being of their family. Um, and it's interesting because, like I mentioned, that, that's not the case for for lower-income Latinos uh, and lower-income immigrants. So I think, you know, continuing to do the work that immigrant finance is doing, for example, it's going to really help people get to that point to pass that threshold where they feel confident enough to, to do all these things that will put their family in a good financial position. Um, I keep saying it, but I think it's super important to, to thrive instead of survive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for saying that and, and your support. And I, I always tell people I see that when folks um, are in our group coaching program, we do a group coaching approach. It changes everything because all of a sudden they, they see other people around them that that they relate to that maybe are from the same country or have the same um, immigration status or lack of immigration status. And they see them doing things that they believe they couldn't do. And like that alone just changes everything. Cause like you're saying, it's really, it's that mix of like the mindset, the exposure, the strategy, the practical guidance to get to that position where you just realize, and you hit that point that it sounds like you kind of hit in college of like, okay, I may not have come from a family that knew how to do all this, but I now can see the path of how I can get there and the tools of how to do it. And I can do this too. And it doesn't matter what my status is or where I'm from, like, yes, there may be more barriers, but there is a way to do it. And, you know, I can kick and scream on the podcast all the time and tell people they can do it, but it's different when you, you actually see others who are doing it. And that's yeah. why I'm so grateful for like someone like you who's, who's engaging in this topic and research because you've lived this, you, you know what this means for your family and your community. And so hearing people, having people hear it from you is very different.
1: Yeah. And that makes all the difference. Right. Being able to speak in like what you mentioned, you know, that that cohort model, of having doing it in group sessions um, so people can see that, you know, you're not alone in this matter. And when you have a community and you feel like you have a support system there, it makes it easier to keep on going in that journey. And, and I like what you said about the kicking and screaming, because I feel like I, I, I do that a lot, too. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, like when I come home and tell my parents, you know, I got to do this and that. Like it just doesn't take you far, and that's where these other components come in, right? Like doing it in the group, doing it in a way that's relevant to the group and their life experiences and their understandings of the material. And yeah, it's 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 complex. There's a lot of layers to it, but yeah. I I don't think it's impossible.
0: Yeah, yeah. or you would you would be doing this work? So yeah, but, um, you're studying the tandas, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you said, yeah, um, yeah. And what is kind of your your goal through the research you doing of what you want to help establish?
1: Yeah. So currently, my my current thesis is ex- investigating the use of the tanda or the lending circle, um, and it's just a cultural practice that immigrant communities engage in. And I'm not sure if your listeners are familiar with the lending circle, but it's basically a group of people that come together, they arrange, hey, usually somebody who organizes who organizes the Tanda who says, Hey, I need money for whatever something emergency money, some quick lump sum that they need. And so they arrange a group of people who all come together and on a weekly basis or bi-weekly, whatever they, they decide, they contribute. So every week, for example, this group of ten will contribute a hundred dollars right there and and you translate it into english if you put it into google translate spanish to english it's going to say batch and it's basically what it is it's a batch of money and so this group contributes this batch um, contributes money into this batch and you have this lump sum and that goes to the first person right usually the the organizer and the next week the same thing happens and this lump sum goes to the next person and it goes all the way around until everyone in this circle has gotten the money. So at the end of the day, once it's all said and done, nobody makes any more money than they spent. No one loses any money. It's a way for communities to engage in a shared practice of lending. Um, and so that's what I'm investigating right now for my master's thesis. Um, and the goal is not to generalize, you know, what tandas are, but more, more so to find out, you know, this is, a, this is a practice that exists under the radar. And so I'm interested in seeing if it can inform my broader research goals Um, and my broader research goals is I'm interested in, in investigating financial acculturation. So this idea of, you know, if you, if you're familiar with acculturation, you know, when immigrants specifically come into the country, into the U S into this new host country, there's a set of changes, behavioral, psychological, social changes that occur as they begin to acclimate or not acclimate to this new country. And something that I have found or not found actually is that there's not a lot of mention of the way that finances play into this acculturation so that's why i'm interested in this idea of financial acculturation because like i mentioned at the very beginning and and you know this uh, families and communities who are immigrants they come to the u.s seeking a better life and there's not a lot out there on how finances impact this process of acculturation because families come here and there's a whole financial system financial system that they need to learn how to navigate But there's not a lot of literature or research out there on that process. So that's kind of what I'm interested in understanding is how specifically culture in the case of Latinos, Latino immigrants, how that influences this process of financial acculturation. And so that's kind of my broader my broader research goal. But when you put it to practice using research, you know, you talked about how you really like the the research with the purpose. That's I'm, I'm right there with you. My broader goal is to develop is to use research to develop and identify the pieces that make financial education not only accessible but relevant for these immigrant communities. Um, and in my case, I'm really interested in the Latino communities because there's that cultural component that I'm also really interested in.
0: That's so amazing. I haven't heard of anyone in the u s who's researching this topic until you've reached out, so I don't know if there are, I've, I've connected with one person in Europe. I forget which country wow. who is researching it in the context of refugees. Yeah. Who migrate to Europe. Um, I'll have to connect you all, but yeah. Do you know anyone else looking into this in the States?
1: Um, not, not exact. There are people who do things that are similar or related. Um, but not head on the same, which is kind of which has kind of made it difficult because there's not a lot out there, at least not to my knowledge so far. there's not a lot out there on this on this topic, which is cool because you know you have a lot of fertile ground for new research and new knowledge around this topic, but it also is hard because it can be a lonely, lonely journey, and I find myself um, drawing from different disciplines when I do this research, so um from you know financial education, behavioral economics little bit of like cross-cultural psychology so it's a little it's a little bit hard because i feel like i'm straddling different disciplines to do this work but it knowing what the what's on the other side knowing what the goal is um, for this research i think it helps push me forward
0: well it's very pioneering so thank you for being so brave to do this because it's going to help a lot of people um in this community and other immigrant communities um so very, very grateful. Is is there anything that we, in the immigrant finance community, can do to support your research or share it?
1: Um, yeah, that's a good question, I think you know right now this study that I have going on is about wrapping up. This is gonna be this is gonna be my master's thesis, which I intend to finish by the spring, uh, and then in the fall I'll move on to the PhD portion, and then go from there and see what kind of study i'll conjure up there but i do have a study right now where i'm interested in and this is a, a study that's i hope is going to inform the broader research goal that i had but i'm doing a study that's specifically interested in the experiences of people who are unbanked or underbanked so i don't know if any of your listeners know people who are operating um unbanked or underbanked so that means you know you, you don't have a bank account and you make and you use most of your transactions in cash or underbanked being you have a a bank account but you choose to do most of your transactions and things like that in cash so if you know anybody like that feel free to reach out to me um i'm not sure if you put my contact information in the description yes, or something like that we will. but feel, yeah but feel free to contact me i can send you a flyer to um yeah so i'm just interested in the experiences of people that are unbanked and why they choose to be unbanked um and the different cultural considerations that play into those decisions but that's pretty much all i'm working on right now i think i have a long way to go to get to that point that end goal right but um little little baby steps but i think that's the only thing that i'm doing right now i think you you adina and your work with your partner with immigrant finance i think that's doing more than enough it's doing a lot in this realm so I extend my appreciation to you as well.
0: Thank you very much. It's very kind of you. Um, one final question for you. What is the number one lesson that you wish um, you or your family had learned about personal finance early on in your journey?
1: Yeah, I think the number one lesson would be definitely to meet people where they are at. So, oftentimes, a lot of um, financial education, but a lot, I think society in general tries to bring people they wanna bring people up to where they're at. You know, they view these people as deficient, as misguided, but that's not the case. There's so much, there's so much that goes into their decisions and what they're doing um, and it's, it's unfair to them and their experiences. So I think it's really important to meet people where they are at um, and understand where they're at and from there is how you bring people up. You don't force people up um, to where you think they should be, you gotta, you gotta help them get there. Um, so I think that's, that's the most important thing.
0: That's very insightful. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. Um, and finally, where can people contact you and reach out? We'll obviously link it all below, but if you want to share any any links or anything now.
1: Yeah, feel free to include my email. But the only thing that I have right now um, is I have this Instagram that I started a while back. It's um, an Instagram that I use to document my my graduate school journey and my research journey because a lot of like people in my community, I have a lot of friends and family back home who don't know what what graduate school entails. And I think it's really important for me to kind of show them what's going on. And in this Instagram page, I document what I'm doing, what I'm up to, the different things that I'm facing throughout graduate school and in this research process. So if you want, you can give me a follow there. Um, Just a little page that I got. It's Educaciononas, so like education nonas, but it's a a wacky variation of this handle, this Instagram handle that I had a long time ago. Um, It's spelled E-D-U C-A-C-O-N-O-N-A-S. I can I can type it to you. Um, you can link, link, link it in the description, but you can give me a follow there if you want and you can see what I'm up to and where I'm headed next.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time, Miguel, and all your great research. We're so appreciative and it's great to connect.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on here. And I'm definitely gonna stay in touch and see how I can help you and your mission as well, because, this is a this is a group effort for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about ways we can continue to collaborate, and I'm sure many many partnerships we could have to help people with more in this community. Thank you.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thank you as well so much, Adina.
0: Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the Immigrant Finance Show. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already and leave us a review so we can reach more people to help. Also, did you know we started a free Facebook group for immigrant families who want to build generational wealth? We're doing free monthly trainings covering everything from investing to online business. Plus, you will be in there with a network of other inspiring members of our community. Make sure to join us at facebook.com groups slash immigrant finance.